I'm Indigo. And I'm Christy. Welcome to Let's Get Liddy. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> to Let's Get Liddy. My name is Christy. And I am Indigo. And welcome to our second episode. Thank um, you for taking your precious life minutes to listen to us talk. We are so grateful and we are super grateful for all of the, the love that we got on our first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is so much fun for us. So we're mm-hmm. glad that other people liked it as much as we did. <laughs> so we're glad you're back. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome to the welcome. party. <laughs> you are... You are in for a treat. I hope you are ready for the chaos. <laughs> uh, yes, today we are talking about the ever-controversial uh, Spanish Love Deception by Elena Armas, uh, which people have really strong opinions on on the internet. I was really intrigued because when we decided we were going to read this book, we did a buddy read. Um, when we decided we were going to read this book, all I saw were like the positive reviews of people talking about how much they loved it and how incredible it was. And then it felt like as soon as we started reading it, Christy was sending me all of these TikToks where it was like, if I could give this book less than five, less than a star, I would give it less than a star. And I was like, oh no, what did we get ourselves into? Yeah, I, it was it literally, I felt like as soon as I picked it up, like mm-hmm. every single TikTok was like, hated it, hated it, hated it. But on Goodreads, it has like mm-hmm. a 4.1 something mm-hmm. stars. Um, uh, and it's got like almost 200 reviews or 200,000 reviews on it which is insane mm-hmm. um, and it's always listed on like Barnes and Noble like you know, the book talk mm-hmm. section and it's just blown up mm-hmm. um, so for starters we're gonna dive into a spoiler free um, review where I will do my best to not give spoilers while talking <laughs> about it uh, and then we will skip on to diving a little bit more in depth mm-hmm. so if you are not into spoilers you can skip ahead for that part mm-hmm. um, but we have some wonderful drinks uh, with do. us today so um, the drinks that we have today, uh, if you listen to our last episode, um, yes, we're going to swirl them by the microphone. Some ASMR. <laughs> um, so we have my incredible partner, Jordan. He is a bartender, and I've literally never had a bad drink from him. Um, and he has graciously agreed to uh, supply our drinking podcast with the drinks. Um, and so for this week, since we we're talking about the Spanish love deception, he has made for us from scratch sangria. It is delicious and very dangerous. <laughs> um, he's really good at like disguising the flavor of alcohol. So the fact that we can taste it a little bit in this is telling me how dangerous it might be. <laughs> um, yes, it's, it's super good. Very fitting for mm-hmm. our, our story. Um, and enjoy this wonderful ride, my friends. Yes. So um, Jordan actually listened to the Spanish Love Deception on Audible while we read it because he wanted to be properly informed. Um, And so for your listening pleasure, I have compiled a list of some of the things that Jordan has said to me about this book. Um, So 
I want to start on like kind of a serious note. He was very sad um, listening to this book. He called it, and I quote, bare minimum porn um, because he was so sad reading the examples of what Aaron Blackford was doing that were like so, air quotes here, amazing and above and beyond. And he literally was like ranting to me like, oh, he took off her shoes and he rubbed her feet. What is amazing about that? Um, so he was he was really sad uh, to learn that this is like the example of like what's incredible but then I did have to remind him about when we started dating one of how on our way on my way to our first date I I've literally texted Christy and our friend Paige um Jordan got to the restaurant early and it our first date was in in March of 2020 and he got to the restaurant early and he got us a table and he texted me and he was like hey I got us a table on the patio are you dressed warm enough or should I get us a table inside and I literally was taking screenshots of this text message sending it to Paige and Christy and I was like guys I think I'm literally gonna cry like this is so thoughtful I had to like remind him that not everyone is as wonderful as he is (laughs) that there are there are some some low standards out in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I could take it he was not uh, an Aaron Blackford uh, he was, fan. He was not an Aaron Blackford fan. Um, one of his <laughs> his unhinged theory for the book is that uh, actually Lena is in a coma and that uh, this is all the dream that she's having when she's in a coma um, and that Aaron is sitting next to her comatose body in the hospital and that and what he's saying to her he's like talking to her and it's like infiltrating her dream and that's the reason that all of his dialogue is bland supportive encouraging lines (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so I did like what zero zero what if Jordan could rate it less than zero stars he would um when I asked him a couple days ago what drink he was planning to make to represent the book he looked at me and said I'm still trying to decide because I don't know if I have the wherewithal to go get a piece of dog shit and put it in a glass for you guys (laughs) (laughs) so so the official Jordan review zero out of five stars negative five out of five stars he did not enjoy this book he literally made a note in audible of the first time that the book made him smile and it was on the equivalent of essentially page 350 out of 500 in this book so he did not like this one and I felt really bad that this was the first one that he was joining us for um on our podcast but that's the official Jordan review yeah, no. Um, I'm not surprised that this uh, wasn't up his alley. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate his dedication <laughs> nonetheless. Um, Eternally I, grateful. I am too. Uh, and I do want to mention, because I don't think we mentioned it yet, Christy and I have not talked about the book. The only thing we have done is exchange our star ratings. So everything that you are going to be hearing on this podcast is literally the first time that Christy and I are discussing this book. Oh my that God, it was so hard. Like any book that we read, whether each other has read it or not, we are 
almost constantly sending updates mm-hmm. about thoughts of books. Um, so to not do that for this book um, was rough. Was physically painful. Like I had to like put my phone away from me. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about it so badly. So we have been like counting down yes. the days, the minutes to, to getting to this point. We literally, I started reading it. <laughs> I think there were like three different distinct in- instances that I can think of where I literally like opened Snapchat, took a picture, started typing a caption about the book to send it to Christy. And I had to like stop myself and be like, Indigo, you cannot. <laughs> so you are getting the full experience, the unfiltered uh, Christian Indigo uh, rant session, I review session. So. Is there a difference at this point? Lord only knows. It will probably start as a review and the more of this sangria we have, it's going to turn into <laughs> a rant. <laughs> uh, so to start us off, what was your star rating? So I am going to give this book three stars. And those of you that don't really know me very well yet, this is um, pretty drastic for me because usually if I enjoyed part of a book, I'm like, oh yeah, four stars. You know, the author really put their heart out there. Um, I initially was going to give this book three and a half, but on Goodreads, you can only give whole star ratings. And when I give a half star, I always round up. And so when I was thinking about that, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to give it three and a half stars. And then I thought about having to hit four stars for it on Goodreads. And I was like, actually, actually, I don't think I can do that. Um, So my rating for this book is three stars. What about you, Christy? Um, In surprise and shock, uh, I also gave it three stars. Before I asked you, I want to make that abundantly clear, we came to these decisions independently um, because I agree. There were things that I did enjoy about the book, mm-hmm. but there were just so many other things that I was just like could not get over. That didn't work. That um, really did not work. Right. So I was at that three star because it was it was a fun kind of escape read. Mm-hmm. Like I read through it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was something kind when of fun. They're, when they're in Spain, right. I was like, was, oh, this is so great. Right. So there are some, there were some positive spots mm-hmm. in there. Um, I don't know if I agree with Jordan absolutely <laughs> hating it. Um, and some of the other reviews that we saw that were very oh, yeah. against it. Which I do um, think we are going to shout out. I think one some of, of some of these one and two oh, star man. reviews from Goodreads because I was like on the floor laughing reading some of these. Oh man. Um, but yeah, there were some things I liked, some things I didn't. So it fits, it fits in the very like meh category mm-hmm. for me. Um, it was fine. I don't regret reading reading it, um, but I am... I regret buying it. I regret buying it. This is one that I definitely wish I would have gotten from the library, because now I own a copy of this book, and now I'm going to have to take my precious life minutes and go to uh, probably my local independent bookstore and sell it for some in-store credit. So if if after this review you still want this book, hit us up. (laughs) Yeah, if you want a copy of this book, we've got two that we are not attached to. I have Jordan got me um, a stamp that says from the library of Indigo Wilson Schmidt and it's very cute. It's got a little cat next to a stack of books on it Uh, and usually on books that I own like when I finish it I put my stamp in there. I did not stamp this book because I do not plan on keeping it. (laughs) Oh brutal brutal but it's okay. Um, I feel like we should do um, what's that like corporate thing it's like the the sandwich. Oh yes yes. So what is something that was like some things that you liked about 
the Spanish love deception. Um, some things that I like without spoilers. Yes, without spoilers. Um, I think the first thing that I want to shout out about the Spanish love deception is her cousin Charo. I love her cousin Charo. I think that she was the best part of this book. Um, I absolutely loved her. Yeah. So I think that she makes the Spanish love deception. (laughs) What about you, Christy? What's something that you think you liked? I think on top of just Charo, but really I loved her entire family. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that whole, the whole time that, spoiler, I guess, they go to Spain. Oh my God, they go (laughs) to Spain. I know. um, When they're in Spain and she's interacting with her family, I Mm -hmm. think for me, like, that was the best part of the book. Um, Because I appreciate, sometimes in romance books, there is a little bit of vagueness with Mm -hmm. characters and things so that, you know, as a reader, you can, like, insert yourself in there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I appreciated the the distinctness of her family. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of different kind of characters, a lot of different energies, um, and it was just such a fun part of the book. Mm -hmm. So for me, that that whole entire sequence kind of uh, pre-wedding was a blast mm-hmm. um, because you know they're they're essentially they get over they're prepping for her sister's wedding celebration and there's just a ton of different things that go on mm-hmm. um, and you just get to see uh, the main character Catalina interact with her family um, and that is just such a fun thing they're also funny they're also like excited for her mm-hmm. and that was just kind of heartwarming and I appreciated that um, so that was my my high I think of the of the okay book. I like that. Is there something you didn't like, Indigo, Um, that you can share spoiler-free? So this is going to be actually very hard for me, uh, because there are so many things that I actually want to say in this section. Um, But I think the thing that I'm going to start with is the main thing that didn't work for me in this book is it is um, marketed as an office romance, right? And the entire, I'm not exaggerating, the entire first half of this book takes place with one exception takes place in their workplace <laughs> and it's so boring i don't know what they do like she talks they, like, like they talk on end, like without end how fulfilled she is by her career and how proud she is of her career and how she's worked so hard to get there and how they're a workaholic but they never talk about actual work and i am just like why did we spend so much time in this office and i don't even know what they do they're team leaders they're supposedly engineers And that's it. That's all we get. Um, And to me, it kind of felt a little bit like a cop-out to make these characters workaholics because then the author did not have to make a life for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, The author could just put them in this vague setting and say, oh yeah, she was so busy all day and we're gonna pick back up with her at eight o'clock when she's still here. And I'm like, why? Why is she still there at eight o'clock? Um, I, yeah, okay, so I'm gonna stop myself before I keep, before I get into like spoilery territory. Yeah, so that was probably the chief thing that I really did not like. What about you, Christy? I think in a similar vein, but uh, something else I think that really bugged me is that I feel like this book is mismarketed. It is marketed as an enemies to lovers. It's and not. It's, it's not. not. And this, and Ugh. part of it is, so this is, this is not a spoiler because you start the book and you're in it. Um, mm-hmm. That was my other kind of 
complaint, oh I guess. God. Don't even um, get me started on the, on we'll, the first we'll chapter. Oh, we'll yeah. Get there. But what drives me crazy in. is you start with um, the essentially the agreement. So the, the point of the book is that Catalina uh, has to go back home to Spain for her sister's wedding, and she is really stressed out because her ex is going to be there. He has a new fiancé. She doesn't want to go back by herself. So you jump in. The first page is... Literally the first page. Page. We are not exaggerating. I can, like, can we just like we both have our copies real quick? Here. Yeah, let me flip open. Okay, page literal chapter literal. one, page one, the first line in quotations. I'll be your date to the wedding. <laughs> right. So we jump in at 100 miles an hour. And I think we're we're trying to believe, and the author wants us to believe, that Catalina and Aaron are these, like, mortal office enemies. And that mm-hmm. he is the worst. And, like, we she hate him. She calls him Mr. Robot. Right. Um, we're supposed to absolutely hate him. He's supposed to be, like, evil incarnate. So awful. terrible. But because of where the book starts, we only ever see him be nice like mm-hmm. he's only kind like in a kind of a, a very I mean I don't think it's not a robotic way but he's he's looking out for her mm-hmm. he makes sure she has stacks mm-hmm. like he takes care of her he helps her with projects like and everything that she says makes him evil has happened before mm-hmm. we start so we're just so, supposed to take her mm-hmm. word for it that he's a bad guy even though as a reader mm-hmm. we've never seen him do anything yes. but be kind and so all we see and this was something that i really struggled with that i'll probably talk about in length um, in the spoilery section but all we see is we see him being kind and we see her being so rude she's like genuinely awful to him like so rude so dismissive like it was actually kind of painful for me to read because like I try so hard to always be nice and like to always think about like okay everybody has stuff going on in their life that like you don't know and you don't understand and so to see the main character that I'm supposed to like resonate with and like relate to just be so rude to someone who's literally just trying to help her I I really struggled what and again it kind of goes back to like we don't feel aligned with her side Mm -hmm. because we don't we didn't witness we don't read firsthand him ever being mean to her like I think it's different if this like the the flashbacks that she refers to of him not being very nice like if we got to witness that firsthand but Mm -hmm. we we don't even hear about something he did bad until multiple chapters in when he's already been kind so Mm -hmm. I think that is truly the detriment is this is marketed as an enemies to lovers and it's just not it is just not. not so that is that is my number one my my flaw okay i like it any final redeeming spoiler free uh nice sandwich thing you want to to end with i do um so as christy mentioned like this book she is it's a fake dating trope right because when she finds out that her ex is now engaged and he's going to be bringing his fiance to her sister's wedding she lies to her family and is like oh well i've actually got a boyfriend yeah and he's gonna come to me come to spain with me um so we know that there's the ex and we know that he's engaged i loved the tension with the ex when they get to spain i think that that was really like well crafted um i'm not going to spoil like their kind of relationship but um their relationship was very much like he was in a position of authority and it's so interesting to see how that has continued to be represented like he still thinks that he has this power over her that he can like exert over her and that she's just going to listen to whatever he says um and it is so interesting to see uh 
how that is handled. I thought that that was like one of truly like one of the highlights of the book, like one of the parts where like the tension was in the book that I was like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? How is this going to resolve? Um, so I did really enjoy that. What about you? Ooh, okay. Um, I think the last thing that I really liked <sighs> without giving support, that's what's hard. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something like I have things that I liked, but I'm like, oh, that, would, that would spoil What things. about his ocean blue eyes? Listen, did you know that his eyes are ocean First blue? First of all, I am a sucker for a dark-haired man and blue eyes. Uh, my husband is blonde. <laughs> nice. And I love him very much. Don't let him forget that. If you listen to this, I love you. Um, no, I think... The other thing that I enjoyed, and I wish we would have gotten more, so this is a little bit of a criticism, but still something mm-hmm. I liked, is at work, Catalina has a friend named Rosie. Yes. And I just, I thought she was fun. I thought she was such a beautiful representation of your, like, way too close work friends mm-hmm. that, like, know way too much about your life oh, because absolutely. you just overshare at work with your coworkers. Um, and so I really... I enjoyed their relationship, and so um, I appreciated that both before the trip and after the trip, we got pieces of their their relationship, and I thought that was very... It was a kind of a fun way to, to kind of get at least something of who Catalina was mm-hmm. outside of the office slash, like, not work mode. Especially um, since Rosie was kind of like her... Like, the push. Rosie yes. was very much the, like, you are too in your head to realize what's actually going on here. Like, I, as an mm-hmm. outside observer who is not impartial but is going to pretend I'm impartial is going to give you this push. Yeah. Yeah. I did like Rosie a lot. I also, yeah, she definitely kind of redeems some of the, especially early Catalina. Um, And even even at the end, um, she is a kind of a driving force Mm -hmm. that that kind of, that really make, like, humanizes and really helps uh, drive Catalina's character. So she was a a bright spot for me Mm -hmm. as well. But I think that's our our spoiler-free review. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are not interested in hearing spoilers, uh, skip ahead. Uh, but for those that want the nitty gritty details, uh, here we go. <laughs> Stay so, tuned. Um, yeah, what's your nitty gritty details, my friend? Um, okay, so I want to start with I think that this is a book of missed opportunities. I think that this book had so much potential, um, especially because Catalina is an immigrant. Like, she's in New York City, but she moved to America when she was 22 to do her master's. Um, And so I think we had this really cool opportunity to see how she viewed America like as an immigrant and like have all of these like all of these things that we're not used to as Americans reading this. And I very much felt like how she was written was like an American who when she needed to like, when the author needed to like spice it up, she'd like throw in some some Spanish, which like don't even get me started on the whole mother tongue. Like every time that was mentioned, I just rolled my eyes. I thought that that was so, mm, mm. Um, (laughs) but I felt like that was really missed. Like she's never homesick for Spain. Um, So I think that was a missed opportunity. I also have some beef uh, because like Christy said, it's marketed as an enemies to lovers and we don't get to see like the enemy aspect. Um, So I was upset about that. This is also marketed as a grumpy and sunshine. And uh, where? Where? I was like, Where? he's not really grumpy. Like, um, he, if you want to, if you, if it's supposed to be a grumpy and sunshine, then apparently Catalina is the grumpy and Aaron is the sunshine. Um, which I don't think that that's how it's meant to be. But all Catalina does is complain and be rude. All she does is complain. 
complain and be rude and lie. Um, the whole first half of the book, I was like, sis, I don't care. I don't care about your life. You're literally just making this harder on yourself. This book could have been 300 pages if every single time Aaron offered her help, we didn't have to have five pages of Catalina arguing with him. <laughs> just can't stop laughing because I feel like our spoiler free was like, yeah, it's like, okay. And you're like, all right, gloves are off. Let's go. Gloves are off. All of the nice things that I had to say about this book were in the spoiler free section. <laughs> I appreciate the Catalina slander, but I would like to come in with Aaron Blackford straight up. He has no personality except being in love with her. True. And then, so step one, um, it was physically painful to watch like 400 pages of her be like, he doesn't actually like me. This isn't real. Because you're like, this man is in love with you. Has been helplessly in love with you. I'm sorry. Forever. I'm sorry. He didn't like you, but he overheard you complaining to your work bestie from his office, I might add. He heard this conversation from his office, walked up without inserting himself into the conversation was like, hey, I'll fly to Spain with you and pretend to be your date. Right. He's he's so in love. And so that is like frustrating because you know he's never an enemy. This goes back to that yes. because he is so in love with he's her. He's been in love with her the whole time. I, it's, okay. It's so obvious and it makes, it made me want to scream because mm-hmm. every single time she'd be like, oh, but that, that look he's giving me isn't real. It's for this show. Is, this is for pretend, right? Oh no. my God. See, okay. Uh, <laughs> we joked about this. But I think that a book that handles this trope really well is The Love Hypothesis. These we characters... Said, we oh, said yeah. to take a drink every time we talked about The Love Hypothesis. We made it pretty far in without <laughs> doing it, so... But in the love hypothesis, I love this term of, like, requited, unrequited love, where, like, they're secretly in love with each other, but they're convinced that the other person isn't. And I think that the love hypothesis handled that beautifully. This book bungled it. I'm so (laughs) frustrated. It's obvious. I mean, what? What is it? On page 150, he's like, I've never been interested in being your friend, Catalina. And she takes that as some slight. As like, he doesn't want anything to do with her. Sis, he's saying he wants to bang your brains out. Like, how oblivious. Pull your head out of your own ass. Oh it my was. God. I know. I know. It is hard to read. Um, and I agree because, again, you want to kind of scream at her. Uh, oh, I, I am going to take this opportunity. If you hear scratching or barking, that is my dog Cerberus, who is very upset that he cannot be on the podcast. He has also a lot of opinions um, <laughs> about this book, uh, and he will love to share them with us. Uh, I'm sure that his thoughts are heard at some point, I'm sure. Okay, so my Aaron Blackford uh, yes. slander. I feel like (laughs) what killed me was at the end. Okay, so we finally, you go through, like, of course we have to have the third act breakup. Okay, it's it's just part of the plot. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, but it has to happen. So we see them, they finally get together and they're kind of trying to navigate this conversation they never have of like, how do we handle this at work? Mm-hmm. Um, because part of the, the plot is that he is being promoted into boss territory mm-hmm. um, and she is unsure about how that, to do that. Which goes back to, to Daniel, her, to Daniel mm-hmm. her ex who it's revealed in the plot that he was her professor uh, when she was in college and they don't date while she's in his class. Like the book is very clear that they wait until after she's out of his class. Um, But that is her only serious adult relationship. That's her only adult relationship. Only adult relationship. And afterwards, people accuse her of like sleeping with the professor to get good Mm -hmm. grades and she gets thrown to the wolves while Daniel 
skates out and he ends up breaking up with her because it's too complicated. Mm-hmm. So and he's getting too much flack. Exactly. And it's love shouldn't be hard. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to fight for it. I think those are his words. Yeah. Daniel is something else. He sucks. Um, but so then, of course, she comes back and now she's in a very similar situation. There's a coworker named Gerald who I feel like. Gerald. I know. Gerald sucks, but also it's such a cheesy kind of suck. Like, it I, seems like I do have a whole rant about Gerald and okay. kind of, and that ties into my rant about the fat phobia in this Incredible. novel. We, that perfect transition. I'll trash on Aaron and you can trash on Gerald. I love it. Um, so Aaron, they finally get together and then that happens. Gerald makes a, makes comments about the two of them uh, and their dynamic about her sleeping with the boss. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, she's not the best at standing up for herself. And so Aaron tries to and then she's like, no, you're making it worse. Which I got to be honest, I think is so interesting that he stands up for her because it's a very deliberate point at the beginning of the book that... He does Gerald is like coming after her in a meeting and Aaron doesn't stand up for her and mm-hmm. she actually like gets mad at him about this and he says I didn't know you wanted me to stand up for you because I've always seen you fighting your own battles and taking care of yourself. So I think it's so right. interesting that he doesn't stand up for her when they're not involved but as but soon as they, they are do. he's like this is my woman what are you doing we- if you've got a problem with her you've got a problem with me. Like, do you want to keep your job? That was a power move. I liked it. it- I, it was Listen, bold. Okay. It was bold. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to prep because I am about to reference Love Pile. Oh, wait. This is again. Oh no, I'm not a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um, okay, you owe me a drink when you get back. Okay. I just want to talk about. I really kind of hoped we were gonna get uh, Adam Carlson <gasps> oh. energy where he's about to like kill that. Uh, oh my what god, the his, his name. His his like, best best friend, friend and supervisor for lying uh, and trying to coerce uh, Olive. And I was kind of hoping we would get one of those scenes. We didn't. I will I recover. Okay, anyway. I have um, enough left for one drink for those of you that were worried. <laughs> Beautiful. But what drove me crazy is, so they finally get together, They ha- and then after that scene where she's like, you're making it worse, you can tell he's very hurt, so they kind of storm off, and he is like, in that moment, he is like, I need you to trust me 100%. I need mm-hmm. you to like, love me and trust in me that like, we can handle this. And I hated that ultimatum, because I was mm-hmm. like, you guys have only been together for like, five days. And yes. like, you were so patient for so much of this book that the mo- like and now you've decided you're not going to be yes oh I was, I was that was that made me so frustrated because he literally tells her how he has been basically in love with her since they first met he's been in love with her silently for two years and this was this was Jordan's words he simped for her for two years and let her think that they were enemies because that was the only type of interaction that she was gonna give him and he would take anything that she would give him and he like is way and is so patient and willing to give her whatever she needs and he's like so sweet and accommodating when they're in Spain and like helping her do this pretend relationship but then as soon as they get back yeah he gives her that ultimatum and he's like I need you to trust me and this is after she's opened up to him about her past and they haven't had the conversation about how they're gonna handle this at work and he's like oh well you don't trust me so I can't do this yep that was my and for me like that kind of ruined Aaron's character because like mm-hmm. I didn't hate him mm-hmm. I thought he was fine I thought whatever um he was a fun lead like I get it mm-hmm. uh, he's a very ty- specific type of dude and that's fine um but that for me I was like <laughs> Henry Cavill lookalike <laughs> listen I'm not saying that's how I pictured the man but I did and I don't no regret I did see that in a Goodreads review and I'm like I think yes 
Um, but yeah, so I think that for me, it took away from his character because I was like, man, I feel like we spent the whole book developing like his kindness and his patience mm-hmm. and his willingness to like wait for her and mm-hmm. do whatever she Which, needed. Which again, directly like contradicts the enemies to lovers. Exactly. All we see him do is be sweet and Exactly. And um, yes. So that was my number one gripe, especially at the end, because then it took away from the ending of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand, like, I get it. There's always a third act breakup. I don't like them, mm-hmm. but I get it. Uh, but for me, I was like, that's such a changing character. Like, I, I expected the breakup to look like her being like, I'm not ready for this. And then him being like, you know, patiently like, okay, fine, I will wait for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of him being like, oh, you're not all in. You're not all in after five days. Well, and then you. the fact that he goes no contact and flies across the country without, without telling her. her. And <sighs> she has to find out from HR. Ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. <sighs> Would you like to take a break and get more drink? Yes, I think this is a perfect time. <laughs> All right, we are back. Our drinks are full. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. This is so good. Oh my god, they are dangerous. Um, Indigo, I would love nothing more than to hear your Gerald slander. So, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about Gerald. Uh, I'm just gonna flip into the book. Oh, allow me to flip past the what is it? 10 pages where Aaron and Catalina have a conversation where Catalina refuses to face Aaron and they have Rosie repeat their words to each other. Let me, let me skip past all that. Um, so when Gerald is introduced, okay, so first Gerald's checking his phone. Rude. So rude. Um, but when Gerald is first introduced in this group meeting, the very first thing that she says about him is that he's overweight and that he's wearing clothes that are too small for him. Um, and then that proceeds to, and I think he's balding and maybe she says greasy. Maybe this is me reading into it. But then the author proceeds to only describe Gerald by his physical appearance. And the opening with the antagonist of the book being described by his physical features and then by his actions, it feels a lot like saying fat people are bad. Um, so I was very frustrated by that. I am interested because... Catalina mentions her weight a lot. Catalina mentions her weight a lot because and she's, you know, she's trying to shred for the wedding mm-hmm. or drop pounds for the wedding. And, and it's it's such a plot point of like, well, I can't have this brownie. I can't do because these things. Of this. And I actually really got frustrated with this because it was borderline eating disorder to me. And I was really frustrated because even after she faints and Aaron finds her at work. Yeah, just a reminder, she passes out from not eating enough. Because she didn't eat breakfast and had like what? Brunch? I think it's what she she had, but it was like a really light brunch and then she doesn't eat and she passes out at eight o'clock at night in her office when, by the way, she thinks she is alone in the building. Yeah. She does not think that anyone is there and she passes out because she doesn't eat. Um, Don't worry, tall, dark, and handsome Aaron Blackford is there to save the day With his homemade granola Granola bars, bars. (laughs) which also Jordan is like, 
Who makes those? Who who makes granola bars? <laughs> no Aaron, one. Aaron Blackford. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Um, so it's a really huge plot point, and I was really frustrated because after that instance when Aaron like picks her up and is like, We I'm gonna take you, I'm gonna get food, he asks her why she's doing it, and she's like, Well, I know I'm not the most attractive, and I'm trying to lose some weight for the wedding. And you like the author writes that he gets frustrated with that, but he never speaks against it. And it was so irritating for me because, like, we're already judged enough on our bodies. And, like, this is part of, like, a larger point that also ties back into Gerald, I promise. Um, But... It was so frustrating to me because, like, one of the key reasons that I read romance is, like, I want to escape. And so I don't want to be reminded that everyone that I'm meeting is judging me based on how I look. And so for this book to focus so much on, oh, well, I need to starve myself so I'm my most attractive so that people don't think I'm broken and lonely. What the fuck? Like, um... And so tying into that, also, Gerald is, like, super misogynistic. He honestly felt like a caricature to me. And he's super misogynistic. That's, like, his defining personality. Um, And what was so frustrating to me is in this first meeting that she's in with Aaron... um, and her like surrogate father figure in America, nobody speaks up against this like blatant misogyny. Um, And it was so frustrating to me because it's like, I'm reading romance to escape and to remind myself that like there are good men in the world. I don't need to be reminded that technically all men, technically all men in air quotations are awful because they don't know how to stand up to misogyny. Um, So it was like so, Like, the character of Gerald opened so many doors for me in this book that drove me crazy that like didn't need didn't need to be in there like Gerald could be an asshole without saying well you're lesser than me because you're a woman well and I felt like it was almost like a cheesy way like I you know as we both work of course you know Mm -hmm. in male dominated industries and I while it happens blatantly I think for me I was a little disappointed that it that this book could have captured the subtle misogyny that we face every day and instead opted for such a blatant version of it because I feel like it uh, normalizes this idea that it's only these big extreme moments Mm -hmm. of people being like, oh, thanks, you know, you can do this, honey, or like stuff like that versus like the smaller ways that it happens every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like a little bit disappointing to me that this book, again, kind of like a missed opportunity could have tackled Mm -hmm. and kind of handled, um, you know, the misogyny that women face in male dominated uh, industries a little bit better instead Mm -hmm. opted for kind of almost like a cheesy on the nose deal that allows any man who could be reading or even women reading it um to kind of really be like oh well it has to look this extreme Mm -hmm. for it to be misogyny in the workplace rather than um highlighting how sometimes it's the subtle things that Mm -hmm. are the deepest version of misogyny in the office yes and i also just want to go on like a little bit of a tangent company is described as a mid-size company in New York City, right? A mid-sized tech company that is constantly recruiting clients. They would have an event planning team. They would not pick someone who is already overworked and doesn't have any event planning experience and have her plan an 18-hour event. Which, by the way, by the way, we don't even get to see 
in the book. She literally gloss over that day. It's like, a huge in like plot two point. sentences. It's a huge plot point in the first 200 pages of this book. Probably 80 of them are dedicated to this event and them planning it and Aaron trying to help her with it. And then we get like two sentences about how it actually goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I 100% agree. I thought I almost snapchatted you about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was because it was like, I was disappointed. And part of it is because that event happens after the third act breakup. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore she's sad and she's down. And so she's just going through the motions that day, um, which was a little disappointed given the fact that, again, we were led to believe by the author that Catalina is dedicated and that she's very proud of her job and she wants to do the mm-hmm. most um, and is a workaholic so that like the fact that she would then like be you know shut all of that off um, for a man. guy that she's been dating for, <laughs> for like five, five days, days. Ah, yeah I know yeah um, so as a as a self-admitted workaholic, I was, like, a little disappointed because I was, like, mm-hmm. I kind of, like, would have expected her to throw herself yes, into her work and yes. instead she, like, pulls back and I, you can't really tell anyone how to vibe and she's a mm-hmm. fictional character. What am I going to do? <laughs> um, but I think that was a little bit disappointing because, again, it was a major plot point that she had all of this to do that Aaron helped her and then we don't get anything from that mm-hmm. day. Um, and that was, that was a little disappointing. I agree. Yeah. So... So, are you sure you gave this book three stars? Honestly, it might be lower at this point. Well, okay, so the thing is, I've been talking a lot about, like, the things that frustrated me, but I do think that, I mean, admittedly, Catalina's entire personality is being stressed about the wedding, and Aaron's entire personality is being in love with Catalina and Catalina not knowing it. So when we get to them being in Spain, and when they're falling in love with each other, and Aaron is starting to reveal all of these things that he has, like, come to love about Catalina, and Catalina is, like, realizing maybe... I didn't hate him for who he was, but because I felt rejected by him, I did think that that was really nice. Like, I do think the romance aspect of this, like, the them falling in love was really nice. I did really enjoy that. I say the whole time they're in Spain is genuinely the highlight of the book. Mm -hmm. It is. Absolutely. So fun. I mean, he learns Spanish so he yes. can interact with her family. I mean, he, like, oh my gosh, I just want to talk about first. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, just real quick, I want to talk about the scene where they are doing. So, one of the things they have to do is this, like, wedding Olympics, basically. <laughs> For the and, wedding cup. <laughs> yes, the wedding cup. And so, it's essentially, uh, like, you know, girls against guys, like kind of the bridesmaids and versus the groomsmen. And one of the groomsmen slash the uh, best man, I almost said man of honor, best man, <laughs> is Daniel, uh, Catalina's ex. And there's this moment where the bride, Isabella, goes, all right, you know, we, we, we forgot the shirts, so we have to do, we're gonna, you know what, that's it. We're doing, you know, shirts versus skins. Men, take off your shirts. And there's this beautiful moment where Aaron is the last one to do it. <laughs> and Daniel freaking tries to tease him. He's like, oh, American boy, like, are you gonna take off your shirt? Well, and I want to jump in here too because Catalina like straight up acknowledges that Daniel physically has never really been a looker. Like Mm -hmm. his body Mm -hmm. has never been a drawing factor for him and it has not 
improved mm-hmm. it since the time they were together. So this man, of course, last to do it in like just such a beautiful quick motion, pulls off his shirt and obviously it's romance novel. He is <laughs> as Catalina describes sculpted like a Greek god. Um, and that moment of like getting to watch, anytime that Daniel was deflated was a beautiful time. <laughs> oh my god, I loved Speaking it. Speaking of Daniel getting deflated, this is the other thing I really liked that I couldn't talk about before because I felt like it was a spoiler. There is a scene where Catalina and Daniel run into each other after oh um, Aaron has really hyped, you know, really laid it on thick, really mm-hmm. revealing his how in love he is with her um, and all of that. So he's gotten to sit there and listen to all of that. Um, and there's this moment where he, like, checks in on her. Daniel does. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I just want to see you just don't seem like yourself. Like, you know, I care about you like a sister. Yes. And I was like, I literally screamed out loud um, because, like, of course... Catalina has no feelings for him anymore, but there it has always been that power dynamic mm-hmm. and that there is a bit of an age difference there. So for him... I think it's like nine years yeah. or something like uh, that. It's and so, a big difference. Right. And so for him to like say that was just such a gut punch because she has all like... Part of it mm-hmm. is like she was able to see herself as his equal. And in that moment, he completely cut that of like, no, I view you as like a little sister. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, she sticks up for herself without yeah. Aaron around. this is the second time that he has downplayed mm-hmm. their past. The past that she fled Spain from. Like, she left the only country she had ever known to move across the world because she felt like she could not escape this, this Right, dynamic. because of the, the lies and kind of the, the slander that he had never stopped. He never um, stopped because if she him. was, yeah, if she was the one under the bus, he was never getting yep. critiqued. So I loved that there's a moment mm-hmm. where she stands up to him, like herself, or stands up for herself, and it calls him out mm-hmm. on that. Um, and my favorite part about that is Aaron isn't there. Aaron isn't there. He doesn't know about it. Exactly. We never see Catalina. We, we tell see him, him about give it. a broody glare to, mm-hmm. to Daniel. But and I, I think that to me was the most important mm-hmm. thing of like as she falls in love with Aaron, um, she kind of is able to to see um, that she is just as capable on her own mm-hmm. um, without him there. You know, so many times she references like his calming presence or mm-hmm. calming touch. So for her to have that moment without him there was a really cool thing for me. Because yeah. I was like, yes, destroy him. <laughs> and him. <laughs> so that like, to me was... Mortal was, Kombat finish him. Right? I was like, finish him. Knockout. KO. <laughs> um, so I really liked that part um, because it was it was such a moment where like nothing, like there wasn't anything fake about it. Like she, mm-hmm. she was truly authentically standing up for herself mm-hmm. um, to Daniel, who had just done nothing but slander her the whole time she'd yeah. been there. Um, so for that, that was a that was a really cool cool moment for me. And kind of again, there's a lot of redeeming pieces of this book, um, which I will hold my three star. Okay, mm-hmm. I will hold it. Um, does is it the most amazing book I've ever read? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. No. I saw a Goodreads review where someone Shout rated out. it five stars and has already read it three times. What? Because it is their quote-unquote comfort read. This book uh, did not provide me any comfort. It no. made me stressed. I was yes. like, what? Yes. Um, okay. But so it's like, well, do you remember the one-star reviews? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, my has I, them pre-pulled up on her I phone. I do. Actually, let me get into Goodreads. Uh, there's 
uh, specifically, and this will lead in nicely to the next thing we want to talk about. So this review is by Hannah Azarang on Goodreads. <laughs> and it says, it's one star review. I really suffered through this entire thing to get to the smut only to have him say, I want to feel you milking me baby while using... <laughs> While using a most likely expired condom. <laughs> there, was, there was so much mention of how long condoms had been there. Mm-hmm. Hated that. Mm-hmm. Hated that. So, that was Serby, my favorite uh, also has a lot of thoughts. In the he has just Fine. scratched at the door. <laughs> he uh, really hated that as well. I mean, smut-wise, this is going to have... Serpy. Serpo, right. Did you... Serby rated it one star. I can already tell. There were no dogs in the book. So <laughs> zero out of five woofs. <laughs> um, okay, I think smut-wise, this book is going to have more than your traditional romance. It, Most it does, time, and I was intrigued by that. I thought the approach that they took did actually work well for the fake dating of the requited, unrequited love. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it, because usually, I feel like, stereotypically, there tends to be, like, one chapter. One big chapter. And you're 16, right? if you will. <laughs> and you know it's coming. Oh, that was a little um, hypothesis reference. We got a drink. Cheers. <laughs> but I will say, personally, I, besides that exact line uh, that you happen <laughs> to mention, I think, for the most part, it was fine. I enjoyed the smut. I good. thought it was well done. Um, there were a couple... Dirty talk lines that I was like, Aaron, buddy, shut your mouth. We don't need to hear it. Jordan had a quote for this, like a little tidbit for this that I think you are going to love. He told me that for the smut scenes, it helps to imagine them both as helpless virgins who don't know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, man. Well, and especially because there's also the line where Catalina's, like, doubting, right? And so he, like, takes her hands and, like, puts them on his pants, and he's like, oh, feel how hard you make me in my pants? And then he puts her hands on his chest, and he's like, feel how hard you make my heart plunder in my chest? Only you do this to me. And I was like, that would be something a virgin would say. It's, I, they were going, (laughs) you need to grab this, they were going for that love hypothesis moment in chapter when when Adam, oh my god, when Adam grabs all his hand, is like, and literally puts it on his pants and is like, you don't know what I want. Oh my god, um, drink. <laughs> and that's what they were going for, and it didn't quite do it. It didn't um, quite do it. I will... But it does give you more smut bang for your buck. So I would I would give this out of five little, you know, chili pepper emojis, I'd give this a good, like, three. I would also give it a three. I have to say, I really enjoyed the, like, tease smut scene. I thought that that was so good where he, like, has her close her eyes because she's, um, she is starting to think, like, she's starting to realize that maybe she has feelings for him, but she doesn't know how deep those go. And he knows. Like, he knows how deep his feelings go, and I think he can read her better than she can read herself in that moment and he lots of consent lots of consent i love that like consent can be very sexy very true and very true. i, I think like aaron blackford does a good job of sexy he consent. does he does a fantastic job of sexy consent and i loved the line where he's about to kiss her and she's like begging him basically to kiss her and he's like 
I'm not gonna kiss you yet because when I kiss you, it's not gonna be for pretend. And when I kiss you, it's gonna be because you know you're mine. When I read that, I think I melted. out loud. Like, I thought that that was stellar. Um, honestly, if that had been the only smut scene in the book, I would have been fine. I agree. It. I say it's like that whole, they're, like, it's essentially before anything, like, before they commit mm-hmm. to being like, yeah, we're in love. Uh, it's very well done. It is. I, so... <laughs> All in all, I stand by my three-star rating. Yes. I think if you're curious to see what it's about, give it a read. Um, mm-hmm. If you like a tall, dark, kind of moody, you know, guy, sure. If you like an enemy to lover, pick a different one. Yes. Um, I have seen a lot. I haven't read The Hating Game. A lot of comparisons, I, though. A lot of comparisons. A lot of people saying, essentially, this is like a knockoff of The Hating Game. So, so if you are looking one. for a true enemies to lovers <laughs> workplace romance novel, this is not the one for you. No, no. Um, but if you want to, like, if you want to enjoy the uh, while they're in Spain scenes, that mm-hmm. chef's kiss, read that. If you really love the dynamic of another person taking care of someone who is too stubborn to ask for help, this is the book for Very you. Very true. Absolutely This is absolutely true. the book for you. Do I think that being stubborn is a personality trait? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think this book relies on that a little too much <laughs> fair but overall if you want to know what the hype is about sure give it a read it's not the best book i've ever read not the worst mm-hmm. it's a fine little it was romance read. it was fine is it my new comfort read is it no no is it better than the love hypothesis absolutely <laughs> not. no it's not <laughs> All right, that was our unfiltered <laughs> uh, Spanish Love Deception review. We are back with a full drink. Cheers! We are going to finish, as we always like to do, uh, with our lasts, our nows, and our next. So, Indigo, tell me about your last. Okay. So, yes. So, my last read, and I think this is one that I'm actually going to be talking about in an upcoming episode, so I'm going to try and keep it kind of brief in this one. My last book that I read was Greenwood by Michael Christie. Um... This is one of those books. I know in our first episode, I mentioned The Heart's Invisible Furies and how that one kind of like transcended the five-star rating for me. Greenwood was exactly like that. Um, Like I honestly felt by doing a review and rating it on a five-star scale, I was like cheapening the experience. It was so, so incredible. It was so unique. Um, I literally could like do an entire episode talking about it, but uh, I found Greenwood because one of my friends, Kaylee, um, she read it in like June or July when she was on vacation, which now that I've read it, like, oh, it's not a good, it's not a beach read. It is not a beach read. It's a honker. It's like 500 pages. Um, and she read it and she totally loved it. And I remember her posting on her Instagram in July when she read it, like begging someone to read it so she could talk about it with somebody. And then in like November or December, she read it again. So like within six months, both times she was posting about how incredible it was and she rated it five stars each time. Um, so that was like so incredible. Um, And so I read it. When I finished it, she and I Snapchatted back and forth for like an hour and a half talking about it. But Greenwood is so cool because it is a time jump novel, which you're going to sense a theme with me. I love time jumps. (laughs) But the book... 
uh, it's so cool because in the, the beginning of the book, it opens with like a cross section diagram of a tree and like the rings on the tree and it maps out from 2038 to 2008 to 1974 to I think like 1934, 1935 to 1908 and then back through those same time frames, like across the rings of the tree. And that's how the story is told. So we start in 2038 with Jake Greenwood. Um, and it's kind of like sci-fi in the beginning, but then it very quickly turns into historical fiction as you go back through the current Greenwood, back through the family history, like back through time to literally the inception of the Greenwood name. And then you work back through. So it was so incredible because like, from the beginning, you know the larger plot, like you know the plot points of who meets where and what goes on, but as you're reading through, you get the details and you find out what actually happened and you get to piece it together. It was so incredible. For the last 150 pages of this book, I was literally sobbing. Um, I'm still thinking about it, like I cannot stop thinking about it. It was so incredible. I loved it so much. Um, I'm gonna stop myself now. <laughs> you guys know that I'm a huge library junkie and you know that a book is serious for me when usually I will buy a copy of a book if I check it out from the library twice. But I checked this book out from the library and I'm going to buy a copy of it after reading it once because I know that this is going to be one that I'm going to want to revisit. It was it was so incredible the way it was written and the like the cycles of time and how everything is repeated and how our lives are shaped by the actions of our parents. It was just so, so incredible. Um, so I'm going to be buying a copy. If you haven't read Greenwood by Michael Chrissy and you haven't added it to your TBR, please do. Um, yeah, so Christy, what was your last read? Um, before the Spanish Love Deception, um, I had finally gotten around to reading A Song of Achilles. Yes! Oh my god, I'm so excited. Which I genuinely very much enjoyed. Um, for me, I did feel like, I know there's a lot of hype uh, about it out in the world, and I do feel like it lives up to that. It is just, Madeline Miller, the author, does such a great job of making Greek mythology accessible. Mm -hmm. Like, I just love the way that she writes um, because it is beautiful and it is accessible. Um, and the story is just incredible. I loved her take on the stories of Achilles and Patroclus. Um, it very, it was just such a fun read, but also heartbreaking. Don't get me wrong. Oh um, it was an enjoyable read, but it does, it is sucker punched uh, <laughs> to the gut. Um, it is, it is sad. It is tragic. Shocker. It is a Greek tragedy. Um, but it was, it was very, very beautiful. I, I loved reading it. I found myself listening to Spotify playlist, um, <laughs> kind of made around the characters of Achilles and Patroclus and their love, uh, which is how you know I really like a book is if I have to go find Spotify playlists about the book I'm reading. That's mm -hmm. how you know I'm in deep. Mm -hmm. um, but this one, it was such a beautiful read. If you have not already gotten around to reading it, definitely do so. I had already read Circe um, by Madeline Miller, so I knew that I already liked her writing style and this one I think was was better than Cersei. I completely um, agree. So well worth it. I, I think I ended up giving it four stars. Um, still very, very good. So that was my last book. I loved it. It's, I'm sure, you know, if you've seen it all over Bookstagram or BookTok or whatever, just go ahead and get it. Yes. It's worth, worth the read. Yes, absolutely. So Indigo, 
What are you reading right now? So the book that I am reading now was one that I was super excited for. It was one that was on like my 2022 radar. It's a new release. It's called Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin. It's a horror novel. So if that's not your jam, that's okay. Um, I'm going to read you the synopsis really quick. So Beth and Fran spend their days traveling the ravaged New England coast, hunting feral men and harvesting their organs in a gruesome effort to ensure they'll never face the same fate. Robbie lives by his gun and one hard-learned motto, other people aren't safe. After a brutal accident entwines the three of them, this found family of survivors must navigate murderous turfs, so T-E-R-F, a sociopathic billionaire bunker brat, and an awkward relationship dynamics, all while outrunning packs of feral men and their own demons. Um, So I'm still very much at the beginning of this book, but basically... Um, the idea is that there is some sort of like plague that comes through and turns men into like these feral beasts. And so Fran, our main character, is a trans woman who, uh, if she has too much testosterone in her body, will start to undergo this transformation to turn feral. And so she and Beth are hunting men because um, the estrogen medicine has not all expired. So they can't get the estrogen medically. And the best source of estrogen that they have found is by hunting men and harvesting their testicles. So um, I'm enjoying it so far. It is, I didn't expect this, is very gory. Um, I started reading it last night with like a hard seltzer. And I think I got like 25 pages in and I was like, this is not a hard seltzer Saturday night kind of read. Um, It's super gory. Um, I'm still in the very early stages, but I do think that it is such an interesting take. And it's, it's, you know, it's by, I think it's by a trans author um, kind of showcasing this aspect of life that is not often thought about or seen by cisgender people. So I'm really excited to kind of see that aspect. Um, And I think it's going to be really interesting, especially to champion uh, a trans voice. Yeah, that's what I'm reading now. Christy, what about you? Well, uh, confession time. First of all, I finished the Spanish Love Deception uh, last night, right before we uh, started recording this, because even though I started it well before Indigo, I took my good (laughs) sweet time. The book that I am going to start probably as soon as tonight um, is a book called Of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. Um, It looks like it covers a variety of topics. It is set in present-day Miami. Um, It talks about uh, Jeanette, who is battling addiction. She is the daughter of Carmen, a Cuban immigrant. Um, She is determined to learn more about her family history from her reticent mother and makes the snap decision to take in the daughter of a neighbor detained by ICE. So Goodreads describes it as a haunting meditation on the choices of mothers, the legacy of the memories they carry, and the tenacity of women who choose to tell their stories despite those who wish to silence them. This is more than a uh, diaspora story. It is a story of America's most tangled, honest human roots. Uh, So I'm really excited to start it. It's been on my TBR forever. I also had to pick short books because I am quite literally about to leave the country here in a couple weeks, and so I didn't want to start too big of a book Uh, that I was going to have to somehow return. Uh, too quickly. So that is that is my soon to be now. Nice. Next. So what is your yeah. next book after Manhunt? So um, 
I feel like this is gonna be a theme and it's not gonna surprise you. I am torn between a couple books for what's gonna be my next. Both of them are book of the month books though. Um, I'm so proud of For those of you who are curious, I am now up to 29 unread books on my book of the month bookshelf because I got two in March. Um, but the first one that I'm considering for my next read is the book of cold cases by Simone St. James, which listen, I am the world's biggest fan for the Sundown Motel. That it was blew good. me away. That was so good. I loved it. I cannot tell you the rage that I felt that it was not one of the options for book of the month's book of the year vote um, because that would have had my vote. I loved it so much. It was one of those books that like I read it and I was like any book that you come out with from now on like that's what I'm going to read. So this is her new release. Uh, the dual storylines are in 1977, um, following by, uh, following the lady killer murders, um, and the suspect that was like the prime suspect for them. And then in 2017, when a receptionist runs a true crime website at night, uh, she asks to interview the prime suspect of the lady killer murders who agrees to do it. And from there, the story is unraveled. Um, so that is the first one that I'm considering. And the next one that I'm considering is The Star-Crossed Sisters of Tuscany by Lori Nelson Spielman. Um, this was my, um, but it was one of my book of the month picks. Um, and it is a trio of daughters setting out to break a family curse and it's set in Tuscany um, and it's kind of romance kind of family novel but then there's also the curse aspect which are all things that I love um, so the two books have very different vibes uh, but I am either going to read the book of cold cases or the star-crossed sisters of Tuscany next what about you Christine okay um so again my goal is short books so Indigo just looked at my phone and I've got the Goodreads. Oh up. my god! So I'm shooting for shorter books. Uh, in case, so basically, I'm trying to figure out uh, if I finish of Women in Salt, um, bef- like within the week, then I will try to read another book before Ooh, I leave. I want you to read this book so bad. <laughs> before I leave, I need somebody to talk so about it. With. The next book that I am considering is My Sister, the Serial Killer. Indigo rated five stars. It pops up right away on my Goodreads. And this is one... Okay, let me just jump in because I do read a lot of books five stars. This is a true five star. This is like a Christy five star. <laughs> That's a big deal. I love this book. I started... I'm not exaggerating. Um, so that is likely what I will read next. Um, if it is not that I'm book... Indigo, I hope it is. <laughs> murder me on the spot. Uh, then the other book that I've been considering is another shorter one. It's the novella in the Akotar series. <laughs> a, Frost, a Court of Frost and Starlight, uh, which a lot of people don't really like, which I think is why I'm super interested in it. Oh, interesting. Um, every other Akotar book is rated like stupid high on Goodreads, but this one is like in the three point whatever range, which is really interesting. interesting. I- um, so that is next on my list. One of the two. We'll kind of see what speaks my fancy. I think Indigo <laughs> will show up in my house and force me to read My Sister the Serial Killer, which I would not be mad about because I have had it for months and I'm super excited to read it. Oh my god, you um, own it? I do own I it. I got it from the library. I impulse bought it at um, Barnes and I am leaning more towards my sister, the serial killer, uh, just because I've heard such good things about it. I think that will be what I read next. If for some reason I do not finish of Woman and Salt before I go abroad, I've already selected the two bro- books that I'm bringing with me mm. to Europe. Uh, what are they? I'll do a drum roll. Uh, uh, 
Um, so the first one uh, I'm gonna bring with me is Good Omens. Yeah. So I'm bringing that book with me. I'm very excited. Ineffable. Because <laughs> I have, of course, read or uh, watched the series. I love the series. I only watched it because it has David Tennant in it. Christy um, has a Doctor Who tattoo, so of course, if David Tennant um, is in it, she's watched I it. I have pretty much watched almost all of his filmography uh, or TV shows or anything that he's been in. Um, and I also brought Half Sick of Shadows um, by Laura Sebastian. It is a book of the month that I've had for freaking ever. Yeah, that um, was one that I was interested in, but I didn't pick it. And right? you picked and it. So. I, um, but I'm really excited for this one because this is a kind of retelling of the King Arthur legends. Mm. And so I'm bringing it with me to England and Scotland. I just felt like you, it was too perfect not you can't to do. See, you can't see, but Christy is doing the slow motion <laughs> hair tuck behind her like, ear. <laughs> um, just like hanging out. Uh, cause I am super excited cause I felt like that was like perfect. Like what better place to read it? Yes. Um, oh my so God. I, that's literally perfect. From what I understand, this is like kind of like a feminist retelling. Um, so it's not focused on Arthur. It's focused on like the, the female characters and specifically a character named Elaine. Um, Ooh. and so I'm super excited to read that again. It's been on my shelf forever. Um, so I'm super Great. excited to read it. I love the King Arthur, uh, Arthurian legends as I've been a big fan of those for a long time. Oh um, that really wraps up. Up. That Let's get Liddy up episode today. two. Thanks for coming along on this sangria-ridden journey. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you, Jordan, for fueling us through this. Oh my goodness! Um, if you have not yet read um, the Spanish Love Deception, um, we would love to hear what you think when you do read it. And if you have read it, let us know. Yeah, let oh us my know. gosh! You can either DM us on Instagram or you can email us. I say uh, catch up with us. Keep you know keep updated on all of our latest. Stuff, you can follow our podcast on uh, Instagram at Let's Get Liddy Pod. Uh, and Indigo, where can they follow you? Um, you can follow my bookstagram on Instagram, which is at read.with.indie, and it's Indie, I N D I. Uh, for myself, you can follow along with my shenanigans uh, at Christy.reads. That's K R I S T Y dot reads. Um, and we're so grateful that you listen to our ramblings. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a shout if there's anything else you want us to cover but thanks for coming along yes, with this ride we would love to hear if there are any books you want us to do buddy reads of um, so we will link our Instagram and our email in the description so feel free to uh, hit us up yeah thanks for listening and one final cheers Indigo see